Welcome to the Gen Z Show, the only show dedicated to young leaders and those who work with them to create a positive revolution that will inspire this generation to impact future generations. With your host, James McLean. Welcome to the Gen Z Show. I'm your host, James McLean, and I'm joined today. I started to say brought to you by. If you would like to sponsor it, you can. But I'm brought to I am joined today by my good friend, Kenzie Shelley from New Mexico. How are you doing today, Kenzie? Hey, guys, I'm doing really good, and I'm excited, very excited for this podcast. Listen, guys, uh, Kenzie and I have been excited since we completed this interview because we interviewed today Mr. Peter Goodwin. Mr. Peter Goodwin is the CEO of Groove Life. Now, if you don't know what Groove Life is, it is the world's largest silicone ring uh, manufacturers and distributors. Matter of fact, yeah, there's one right there. There's one right there. Um, you got, you still got yours on for your finger too? I just put it back in the box. <laughs> <laughs> you went back in the box. Uh, the silicone rings is that they manufacture rings, they manufacture belts, uh, wristwatches, band, watch bands. Watch bands, yep amazing things they does but what is really crucial is to hear his journey how he started as an adventure guide mm -hmm. in Alaska to starting this business and now being located in Nashville Tennessee amazing story what was your main takeaway there's a lot of takeaways but what was your oh main takeaway today yeah, so I was excited for this interview from the time you told me about it. Um, we actually sell these Groove Life rings in our store anyways. Um, so Peter's story is amazing. But from the whole interview, basically, Peter says, love God and love people. And if you do the first one really good, the rest is going to follow. And so just his whole story of, you know, he went through some really tough times mentally and deals with a lot of, you know, he dealt with a lot of depression and how he overcame that and created this company simply by putting other people first is amazing. It is a wonderful, wonderful story. He dives into some, some good topics. A lot of synergy between what we believe at Generation Ziggler and what we tried to do and, and what he was saying. And he didn't even know that. I mean, he, he, it was not like he was preparing his answers based on what we teach, our curriculum. We told him about our curriculum after he shared, and the alignment was just amazing. And, and if you cannot tell by my voice how excited I am for this interview, then I don't know what's the matter with you because I, this was an amazing interview. This is what you're going to see over and over again because we're going to use this in so many different formats. It's going to be incredible. So I've hyped you enough, and I want to take you directly to our interview with Mr. Peter Goodwin, the CEO of Groove Life. Peter, welcome to the Gen Z Show. Thank you. Uh, for agreeing to be our guest. I was really excited when our mutual friend, uh, Michael Chandler, reached out to me and said, are you still doing the podcast? Which obviously we are. And he said, I have someone that you need to connect with. So I was really excited to have that connection. But thank you for agreeing to be with us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, James. Well, our young audience, our Gen Z audience, both the uh, youth that listen to this and those who work with them, they may be, this may be their first time uh, meeting you and, and hearing your story. Tell them a little bit about yourself. Introduce them to them. Introduce yourself to them so they'll have an idea of who you are. Right. Okay. So my name is Peter Goodwin. 
and I run and own a company called Groove Life. And Groove Life is an outdoor accessory um, lifestyle brand. We sell silicone rings, the little rubber rings you see people that work out and people that are hunting and fishing and mountain climbing wear. Just anybody that works with their hands. And we do we sell watch bands and we sell belts. I am a recovering recovering um, adventure tour guide in Alaska. That was my first career. I did that from the time I graduated high school until four years ago. So Groove and digital marketing and the business world is all kind of new to me, um, but we're having fun. Now for it to be new to you, you've made a quite an impact uh, in this space, in, in, the, in the ring space and the outdoor accessory space. What, what really motivated you to move from being a, an outdoor guide to starting your own company? I mean, that's, that's a big kind of a jump that I think some folks are going, how did very that happen? Much. Yeah, very much. Um, I ask myself that all the time. So um, as when you're a guide in Alaska, so I was born there and my family started the tourism business in the 60s. So I kind of fell into that. We, I did hunting and fishing. And then I, uh, growing up in, in my early 20s, and then I started my own adventure tour company where we were mountain climbing and whitewater rafting. And so it was, it was uh, I, did, I would tell people, I didn't even have a car five years ago. I had an airplane and five boats and a whole crew of people and we did tourism. Well, tourism in Alaska is like farming. You get a lot of cool toys, right? We had all the fun toys, um, but you don't make a lot of money. And it's very seasonal, like farming. It's, you know, one season you're doing great. Next season, the economy's down. You're not doing great. In, in Alaska, you are running your lodge from May until October. And then, you know, pretty much November till April, you're, you know, it's pretty slow, a lot slower pace. And my wife looked over at me and said, hey, you're not doing a lot. Why don't you do something else to make more money so that we can go on a vacation? <laughs> And I said, uh, that's fair, because we were having lots of kids at that time in our lives. And um, she was a little worried about their education and going on vacation. So I didn't really know what I was going to do. I was in the bush of Alaska on satellite internet. And making money online sounded a little hokey to me. I thought making money online was like selling used books on eBay. You know, it was kind of, you know, I don't know. You kind of did it if you're really desperate. And I wasn't going to admit to myself that I was that desperate. Uh, so my friend flew in uh, to to our lodge to spend the night and have a steak. And he's talking to me and he worked on the North Slope and he was a normal, you know, average blue car guy. And he says, um, yeah, I'm selling selfie sticks on Amazon. And I'm I'm like, man, you know, sorry, you know, times are tough. I, you know, I didn't know you could sell things on Amazon. Seems weird and super hokey. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, not legitimate. And he's like, no, I just crossed over a million dollars in sales in the last 10 months. And I, my, you know, my jaw hit the ground. I just a paradigm shift, you know. I had a couple of those in my life, uh, spiritually, and then this one was for, for business. And so he, he kind of, kind of walked me through the, the premise of a product and starting a product and selling it online. It was just a, it was just, you know, you're selling to the world. So competition is really not a problem. You can sell to the world. So his, his basic three pointers were find a product that you already use. Uh, improve it about 10%. You don't have to prove it, you know, you don't have to recreate the wheel, just make it a little better and sell it to a different audience than your than your competition is. So we came up, I was using a silicone ring. I didn't like how it made my fingers sweat. We put grooves on the inside and that's a whole story on how I, you know, I didn't know how to source things or anything. And uh, we put it on Kickstarter and kind of targeted that hunting, fishing, outdoor adventure lifestyle, kind of that Yeti person. And that was being, not being served at that time and it took off. So, uh, and then, we, we were sort of forced out of the guiding business in the sense of Groove took up all of our, it grew faster than our guiding business the first year. 
and I didn't know how we were going to do it all. And so we ended up selling our guiding business and, you know, focusing on the golden goose of group. Yeah. Unexpected. Well, I mean, obviously it, it is been very, very successful, but I'm, I'm thinking now the way that our young audience is listening, they're like, Oh, wow, I can do that. I can sell something on this, but they're missing something probably in the process and that you probably encountered a lot of heavy obstacles, a lot of things that you had to, you know, work through right. and, and, and try to do. What were some of those obstacles that you encountered and how did you overcome those types of things? I know our audience always wants to hear, how, how do I handle those adversities? Right. Yeah, I'll, I'll go probably a little deeper than most of your guests because I think it's important for young people to hear. So I struggled with mental depression and, you know, mental health issues most of my 20s. And basically the the, the thoughts I kept hearing were, you're not enough, and you suck, you know, in, in various forms of that. And I, um, that was pretty debilitating. So I seasonally guided, like I, I, when I go through my intro, it sounds like this wonderful life I lived. Uh, but like most of us, or all of us, we endure suffering and pain in our lives, either by our own choices or other people's choices. And in mine was a mixture of two, but some of us hereditary. So in my 20s, I, you know, what I did was internalize failure as an identity. And um, it, I, I had, I was guiding seasonally and then I had a construction company on the side that I was doing in the off season, you know, I basically pounded nails and I, I didn't care. I've never cared about money. I've always cared about purpose and what my life is going to be like on, on my tombstone and what a legacy I wanted to leave for my future kids at that point. But I, so living the American dream and making a bunch of money and like living in a little house with a white picket fence, like made me want to throw up in my mouth. But I also uh, wanted to, I wanted to prove to my dad and to my other male figures in my life that I was enough. And I just, um, but those thoughts, those mental illnesses, you know, those, those lies would always store that. So um, it took most of my twenties to be able to process it through and getting married was a big part of that. Having someone to live for besides myself, because depression is the disease of self, right? Uh, it's not very popular to say, but I've been depressed. So I can say it. It is constantly thinking about yourself constantly all the time. Whereas when you start to think about others and, you know, especially your wife or your children, it, it, it helped me pull out of that. So I, I think one thing I'll say on a, and then we can go into a specific example if you'd like, but, when I stopped internalizing failure and started seeing it as my actually my tutor, my teacher, uh, my success metric, the faster you can fail and recover, the faster you'll succeed. The most successful people I know have failed 20 times more than the people that are not successful. I mean, that is absolutely the, the barometer of success is how fast you fail. And if you don't internalize it to say, oh, I'm a failure. No, 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 no you failed at this congratulations you tried like that you like you tried something new you failed you learn from it you move on and you know i think that's why sports and some of these other things are really good for teaching young people that uh, failure you know and losing is, is actually the tutor so it, i can give you a specific example or two but absolutely that was a paradigm shift for me probably in my early 30s i'm 40 now uh, but and that really changed the tra trajectory of my life hundred percent. And I tell people all the time, like you have to be, you have to account for failure when you start, assume you're going to fail because you don't know anything, right? If you didn't know it, then probably, I mean, if you, if you did know it without failing to find it, you're never going to appreciate it. So failure is absolutely key to success. So embrace failure. I love that. Yeah, that's so good. 
my uh, I had a my high school principal. That's what he would always tell us is fail fast and like, you know, rebounding. That's so big. So once you started to, you know, get this groove life going and you were on the uphill climb, you know, how did that how did that change your perspective and change your outlook on, you know, yourself and your how you saw yourself in in general? Yeah, I don't know if it changed my perspective on. Well, because a lot of the healing came um, through lots of prayer and, you know, my faith journey in my late 20s. Mm-hmm. And so by the time group, I started Groove, I was kind of already accustomed to it. I was a business owner at, at the lodge. Um, the cool thing about digital marketing and, and selling online and selling to the world is that you can fail really fast. And um, whereas like in the guiding industry, you know, my, my, my sales cycle was like a two years. And if you failed, if you failed, you didn't want to fail often in the guiding and you would try to fail really small, but in digital marketing and in, in most businesses, I'd say is that you have opportunity to gather lots of data from failure. And so I don't know if, if grooves changed my perspective of who I am, if anything, it's, it's probably solidified who I am because I, you know, you always worry, Hey, when money comes and success, is it going to change you? And I mean, maybe some people would say differently, but I care probably less more about money than I ever do because, you know, at some point, you know, the happiness meter over, you know, you make over $75,000 or whatever it is, there's some, like, you know, study where anything over 75,000 doesn't actually contribute to your happiness. And I would say it's provision. Like once your family's provided for and you, that, that barometer, that, that measurement is kind of in your mind taken care of. Um, then the rest of it is kind of like, what do we, you know, how do we, how do we, from my perspective, how do I use this to bless other people based off my religious views and, um, and why I'm on earth, right? Business to me is an avenue to people. I don't really care anything about silicone rings or belts or anything else we sell. Um, I, they're going to be the best, absolutely. But really, they're just an avenue to people. My, my family to take care of them first, my employees second, and my customers third. And how do I, when I'm standing in front of God in 40 more years when I'm dead or whatever, my wife, she says, that's morbid. You're only going to live till you're 80. I'm like, I don't really want to live past 80. But when I'm standing in front of God, you know, he's not going to be like, hey, how successful a person were you? How much money do you have? How much? It's, he's going to be like, what did you do with what I, the people I gave you? Because people are eternal. The relationships are the only thing eternal in this life that we have. So uh, what are you going to do with with the relationships I gave you. And we have 180 employees and he's going to ask me first, what I do with my family. Second, what I do with my employees. And third, what we do with the millions of customers that we had to try to plant seeds in their life of, you know, basically, you know, of, of, of him and his love for humanity. So anyway, that's why I get up and sell Silicon Ray. I'd much rather be flying airplanes and shooting bears uh, <laughs> and, you know, in whitewater rafting remote rivers in Alaska. But uh, when I look at, you know, that would be so super self-serving. So um, Groove at this point is absolutely, people, people laugh when I say that, like, oh, poor you, you know, it's such a sacrifice. But you have, I, I live in Nashville, Tennessee now, right? I drive a, tr- a car in traffic, it's hot, you know, and uh, in Alaska, you know, I, I would get out and fly my airplane whenever I wanted. And, and so, so it's absolutely, you know, it's, it's about the people for me. So I'm sorry, long, long answer. That's awesome, no, perfect. You know, one of the things, and I think I know Kenzie picked up on it too. You hit on two real important points when you talked about your, you know, believing in yourself when you were buying into that lie that you were not enough, that you sucked. And then what you just said about relationships are the only internal thing we have. 
We at Generation Ziegler have interviewed over 2,500 youth in their late teens to early 20s, and we asked them what were the biggest problems facing youth today. And all their answers, we were able to qualify into three major categories. And the two biggest categories were, number one, self-image, they do not believe in themselves. And number two, relationships, they did not know how to build effective relationships. Mm. And you don't know how exciting I get whenever I'm talking to somebody. And without them knowing what our basic line is, they right. reinforce the two things that we yeah. create our entire curriculum on and that we certify people things. So. You just made my whole day and uh, the whole, podcast, the whole way. Podcast yeah, done. yeah it's, it's like, I have been taking notes. I mean, like, man, we're going to go to town on this thing. You don't know what I'm going to do with it. Because uh, that's just exciting to, to, to know that we can reinforce those kind of things that, that have, have uh, given in there. So if you've got a young person, you know, someone Kinsey's age or younger that, that really wants to get started in their own type of business, what, and maybe they're struggling the same way you are. Hey, I don't know if I can do this. I don't believe in myself. Or I don't know if I have the, you know, the kind of relationships that, that I can do to help build my own business. What, what kind of advice would you give to that young person? <laughs> so um, my wife, my wife tells me to tone this down. Um, I think, and so what I'm about to say, I'll try to tone it down a little bit, but um, two things. One is admit to yourself that you don't have what it takes, okay? So now separate that from who you are as an individual and a person and don't find your identity in what you know or don't know. But, but if it's a business, any business you're starting, you don't know anything. Like that, and that is a wonderful position to be in. The worst position you can be in, well, the wonderful position is admitting that you don't know anything. Because now you're going into it as, um, as, as, a, as a student, like, what can I learn and how can I limit my, 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 so fail, fail fast, fail often. Um, how can I limit my failure? So one of the biggest problems I see most people do when they start a business or anything like this is they put all their eggs in one basket. I mean, I was talking to a guy the other day. <laughs> he had literally been working on this one project for five years and he had all the patents and he'd spent all his life savings and he hasn't made a dime yet. And he wanted me to invest in the company. And I'm like, you know, you start. You should have started this company four years and ten months ago, and you would have, you know, he would have been a gazillionaire because idea was great. But he was so scared of making the wrong decisions, and that is the absolute. That is what poor people do, and I don't mean poor people like people on the streets, but just poor-minded people. They are. They again back to they don't want to fail because they don't want to admit to themselves that they're failures, or they don't want their dad to say they failed. Failures win. Failures win. Uh, people that fail win. Failures don't win, but people that fail often win. So admitting to yourself out of the gate, you know nothing. And when you are in that position of humility of I, and I, I this is what my wife doesn't like me to say because she's like, it's too harsh, but like admit that you suck. I suck at a business as a business person. And if you're not constantly in that position of humility of like I, like even now, to this level of managing people and all this, I am not qualified at all. Like I'm a hunting guide in Alaska and I have an executive team and they, they throw things around cause they're all MBAs. And I don't even know what they're talking about, you know, and I, and I'm trying to learn from them and not try to be the big boss, you know, the big boss man and like 
one up them. I'm like, what does that mean? What's what's a KPI? What's that mean? You know, uh, I've had to learn all of these things because but I admit to myself almost every day that I don't have what it takes to run this company. But for me to be able to get to there, I have to be able to learn quickly and, and I have to get my ego out of the way so I can learn. So ego is a huge uh, stumbling block for most people. And ego and insecurity are like brother and sister. So mm. a lot of people's ego, some people's ego comes out as I'm awesome and I'm amazing and, and they're not, then they don't know anything and they, you know, they stay broke and poor their whole life. Or the other side was where I was with self-deprecating. I was like, oh, I suck and I'm, but it's kind of the same thing. It's just a different um, outlet into it. But a truly a successful person even in their 70s and 80s, and I, know, I have several mentors now, they're just constantly learning and they're like, oh my gosh, you know, they don't assume they know anything about anything. Relationships, the best fathers I know admit to themselves, they, they don't know anything about parenting. They're constantly trying to learn. The best husbands are like, man, I knew it, what I was supposed to do last year. It's all different this year. They're always learning and constantly. So they're constantly admitting to themselves that they don't, uh, don't have it figured out. So the second thing I would say is, don't try to make money. I tell my son this the other day. He's nine years old. And I, I always reprimand him when he says this. He's like, Dad, I want to make money. You know, what what can I do to make money? And I'm like, I don't know. That's a terrible question to ask. <laughs> uh, why, don't you, why don't you ask the question, William, uh, how do I add value to someone that needs something and they will exchange value with me? I will give them time or knowledge or whatever, and they'll give me their pent up time and knowledge in the form of money and we'll exchange value. And so the other day we had this dove hunt and, you know, he's like, I, I, I want to make money. And I'm like, okay, well, we're about to have this dove hunt. What do people need, you know, when they're hunting um, at the end, you know, they need somebody to clean their animals for them, you know, and so they can take them home and eat them. And so we, we formulated this business plan and he went out, presented it and he charged a dollar per dove to clean them. And he was so excited. But the, the point is, is that don't, everybody's like, Oh, how to make money online, how to make money quick. Like, how do you add value in, in your, in, in your community how do you add value in you know you're talking about relation people don't, don't know how to build relationships like how do you add value in relationships um you give up yourself you 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 don't expect money in return so if you just go out and add value um and have that as a framework to start with then you everything uh every situation you go into is i don't know you're more it's more of an, a giving mentality than a retaking mentality right making money is kind of like i need money i need some money from you you owe me this value is just like oh this is wrong i need to make it right in the world and whatever that is right like mine was making this the grooves on the silicone ring you know it's silly but it resonated with millions of people and and we have value a groove in so many interests like there is so many competitors we have so many competitors that sell our sell rings for a dollar on Amazon and we sell them for $50, you know, so we're providing a different type of value. I think with our values, I, I not to mix words there, but like we, we have crazy, crazy customer service and unlimited lifetime warranties. And, um, we have all these, um, we, we have a lot of identity values with, with different brands that we work with that, you know, people tie identities to the NFL, Masio, Marvel, Tony Hawk, all these people that we work with. So, Anyway, there's lots of different ways to add value, but that's what I would do. The two, you asked me, what, would you, what advice would you give? I'd say admit that you suck, but you not as a person, just your knowledge base and be a student constantly in every area of your life and add value to the world. And you will be very wealthy and not just money in relationships, spiritually. I mean, it's just, it's just a principle. It's like gravity.
I don't know if you've ever heard of this concept or not, but a person who Mr. Zig Ziglar used to consider his one of his best friends. He was a rap, uh, rabbi, Rabbi David uh, Daniel Lappin or David Lappin. I'm looking for his book on my shelf and I can't see it. He says that money is nothing but certificates of appreciation that people give <laughs> when they get something of value. Uh, and yeah. so when I heard that concept, it kind of changed the whole way that I viewed right. when I own several businesses, because I, I sold my businesses and retired a few years ago to concentrate on this, that this just certificates of appreciation. So like when Kinsey's at her uh, feed store, you know, when they're handing over money to them, it's certificate. They're saying, thank you for giving me value back. Right. Yeah. That's good. Mm -hmm. I love that. I'm looking over my notes because I'm writing more than I'm. These are like free sessions for me to get counseling and, and, and advice. <laughs> I've told folks before, this is not a podcast that I give out as much value as it is that right. I receive. So, yeah, that's awesome. And my guests so do the same as well. So, um, Good. now if, if so, we got a youth that are sitting there and they're listening to this and say, okay, I can admit that I don't know what to do and I can, I can focus on adding value. But now we're looking at our other demographic audience. Maybe it's a, an adult who's working with you. Um, what would you encourage them to help youth reach their goals? Because what I didn't tell you, the third problem that youth face is they don't know how to set and achieve goals in life. And obviously that is something that that you have, have been able to do in life. You know, you, you've been able to set goals you know, and, and achieve those, maybe in a formal way or informal way. But obviously, the, the evidence is there that you were able to do that. So how, how can hmm. adults help youth do that? How can we you know, help them reach those goals? Yeah, you know, the millennial and Gen Z are, they're, they're different than, um, you know, you're, I, I'm kind of on this, I straddle that millennial and whatever, Gen X or whatever. What are you? What, 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 what yeah, yeah. You know, there, our values changed, I think, because, um, I, I don't know. We, you know, your, your parents are baby boomers. My parents are baby boomers. You know, they had a different set of values than their parents, but, but there was still kind of this, it was a lot to do with money and just, I don't know what it was. It was the nineties and all that. It's kind of weird, but the Gen Z and, and, and millennials are definitely different in that they, they want a bigger purpose in life than money. They want to matter. They want to have value. And I, I, I mean, that, that's in everyone, but they're less motivated by money than anybody that I, that I you know, in any other, I think, uh, generation up until this point. And so um, for us, the way I motivate people here at Groove, because let's be honest, you know, there's not many things that we do as human beings that really matter. I mean, um, at work. I mean, I mean, there's people that, you know, there's really cool people that build wells in Africa and stuff like that. But I sell silicone rings, right? Um, not not something that the world is just like, wow, finally, someone's selling silicone rings. Uh, so kind of back to what I was talking about earlier is people um, like our business. I, I had you had that why Simon Sinek, you know, start with why. My why was provide for my family, 100%. I didn't start this company to end world hunger or end, you know, degloving of fingers from metal rings. Uh, that's not why I started this company. I started, I wanted to feed my family. Well, after that happened, um, I decided, I, 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 I didn't decide. I, I had to come to grips with why I would continue on 
with group because money's never been motivating me. And, and it's not motivating for most people in your, in your demographic. So for us, it was, I had to talk. I'm kind of getting around to your question because I've got a process of like, why I, I can relate to um, goal setting and all those things as a struggle. If it's just to set a goal to set a goal, you know what I mean? But if it mm. has intrinsic, if it has intrinsic value to my mission in life and what I believe is important and what, humanity needs what i believe god wants from me then it's easy to set a goal but if it's just like i'm gonna hit my sales goals this week like uh, i don't know it just it's just like why why would i why would i work so hard and sacrifice what i really want to do to go make more money like that's just not it's just not who i am but for for me at that point of inflection where I've got enough money to provide for my family, we paid off our debt in our home. And, you know, it's like, well, we could live on $50,000 a year now. Why continue to try to grow group? And I had to tie, I had to tie a lot of meaning and purpose of silicone rings and watch bands and belts to, man, you know, groove can impact the world. Like we have an opportunity to be a light on a hill in the business world. For one, we, 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 we have strong beliefs and, and uh, spiritual beliefs. And we, how do we live those out in the, in the world? How do we impact people? Um, you know, in foreign countries, but how do we impact the single moms that work at Groove? How do we, um, how do we love, like, how do you do business and love people, like truly love them? Because you're in this weird world of performance, like business is performance. Like if you don't get your job done, you can't work it. But on the other hand, it's like, how do you bear with people if they're going through a divorce um, or their mom dies, you know, and how long? And so there's a tension of like people in profit, right? We talk about that all the time here at Groove. And we definitely lean toward the people side, but it's, it's because we're so dang good at business where you have a lot of profit. So goal setting and uh, purpose and meaning and reason, I think for me, I, I can't answer how to motivate a lot of young kids, I, but I think all young children want personal connection with people. And if you can tie business and um, goals to, to that, I think it has a lot more teeth than just because again, you get, you got your high pipe sales people and they're just, you know, they're just trying to prove to themselves and to their buddies that they can make the sales goals, you know, and that's great for the company and you need, and there are people like that that work here, but for the most part, people that work here are the bruised and battered normal people of life. Like, like I am that are, we, we come here and we work really hard because I mean, we, we freed like a hundred people in Southeast Asia last year from brick kilns slaves like they are they are literally slaves uh, indentured slaves because of debt and they work in brick kilns with their families and we you know for 1500 bucks we can buy their freedom we can pay off their debt and so when wow. you do that when you do that and you show that we don't we don't publish that anywhere but internally in our, in group we have their faces on the wall here of people that we've literally freed from slavery when you tie sales silicone ring sales to like people being freed um, and that's an extreme example. We do lots of other things that even our employees don't know about. But when you do that, then it gives people, you know, motivation to come to work and it gives us motivation to grow. It's like, oh man, we could, if we made more money, we could help more people. And I don't want to get in that cycle. I hear that a lot with Christians, especially like, let's make more money so we can impact more people. And it's like, well, are you really impacting people with the money you have? Um, hmm. And what if God asked you to give all your money away, which he may, because he's crazy. Uh, you know, so, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's a good answer. That's just my perspective is, is young people are clamoring for mission and purpose. And, and the real mission and purpose is other people. 
and it ties back to value. If you don't, if you don't quit looking at relationships and everything you do as if what you can get and start looking at how you can give. And that's just the principle of life. You know, you, um, that back to depression, you know, depression is, and we have an epidemic of, of, you know, selfish thinking, depressed people in this world, especially in our country and Instagram and all these things don't help. But if they turn off that, that, that stuff and just go serve at the soup kitchen or go serve at their church, or go serve someone that's in need. There's so many lonely old people out there that just need somebody to hold their hand. And it just, that's, that would be so motivating for most people. Anyway. Okay. So I have another, that's all. So when we started looking into, we had so many people wanting silicone rings, silicone rings. So when we started looking into a brand to sell at our store, mm -hmm. um, there were a, a jillion different silicone ring companies. And right. we got on Groove Life's website and we saw your mission and what we believe and, you know, to serve people, to inspire adventure and to reflect God. And that's what really sold us. Um, and at the beginning of our interview, you talked about how you've had a few different paradigm shifts and one of them was spiritually. And mm -hmm. how do you think that paradigm shift spiritually impacted you as in the business world and how you, how you serve people? Right. Totally. I'm glad you asked that because, um, I tell, I tell my executive team I'm all, all the time. I'm like, we absolutely as Christians, right. And okay. I don't like to use that word because there's a lot of baggage with it, especially some people that, you know, I grew up in a, in a church and I kind of, you know, I had to find God away from religion and church. Mm -hmm. Um, turns out, turns out, and, and then come back to the church, um, and to give, cause anyway, that's a long story, but I, I tell people all the time uh, in my executive team, especially like as Christians, business owners we absolutely have the advantage in the business like workplace especially now when people actually care like for you you went to probably my competitors and they just you know they were probably giving money to the manatees and the whatever the flavor of the month is right like trees in africa i, I get so frustrated with all these brands they're just like whatever's hot they're giving money to you know just to try to get more sales they're trying to sell more crap and play off the heartstrings of the millennial and gen z that, that they actually care. They don't care. They don't care about anything but making money. I know these guys. Uh, mm -hmm. And I'm not just talking about my competition, but just in the, in the business world in general. Right. When, when you actually live out your values um, and you state your values and then you live them out, it, it, it's absolutely, here, here's why it's an advantage. Is it, is it an advantage to the guy that sees a Facebook ad for the first time? Maybe not. But if they have any interaction with my brand, our culture is so dang tight here. And so, I mean, it's, I mean, people would die for group. I would die for group because it's not the business we're dying for. It's each other. And when you have that culture of uh, commonality around what Jesus talks about in the Bible of love God, love your neighbor. And, and you really mean it. And you put your money where your mouth is. And we put a lot of money where our mouth is. And people see that the community is so dang tight. And I don't know how to explain it, but it, it, it even in our town that we live in, like it's, we are literally a light on the hill here. And, and, and I don't know, again, it's, it's almost immeasurable. But Kenzie, when you went to our website, there was something that resonated with you and you knew it was true. Like, and, and hopefully you had an interaction with somebody at Groove and it was like, that was true. So the point is, is that when you have a strong belief system, especially as a Christian, and you build your beliefs off that, you hire through that. Um, you hold your culture above all. You don't do shady things on the internet to make more money. Um, then that is people, people absolutely 
feel that. And I don't know how to quantify that, that they, how they feel that, but they do. And they will reward you because it's value to them. Okay. Back to value. They are looking to spend their money on some place that, you know, cause we can all buy the same commodities on Amazon. Like everything you have in your room, I could buy on Amazon for cheaper from the same factories that you probably bought, you know, if it was a brand. Um, but you are exchanging some type of value with them in, intrinsic value or that is not measurable. And that is a feeling that a company cares and what better, I mean, as a Christian, again, I'm, I know I'm rambling a little bit here, but I'm trying to get my thoughts out. True Christians, right? Like we, we were, you know, not, not, not like the religious, you know, you, you, you know, do this and that and God loves you. But like true, if you're truly born again, then, you know, you have been given like the keys to life and the keys to life are reconciliation with God through Christ. And when you have that, then you go and you look in every situation that way through in your business and people, people are the purpose. And so whatever you're doing, now I'm rambling. I'm sorry, guys. I'm trying to land a plane here, but it, silicone rings don't mean anything to us at group. People mean, and people feel that. And I don't know how to explain that, but that is, here's, here's an example, Chick-fil-A. How can you explain that Chick-fil-A is as accessible as they are? They sell chicken. They don't even sell like very many versions of chicken. And yet, you know, they're like, you know, you feel loved when you go in there, you feel taken care of. It's, it's the same experience. It's consistency. Everything about their business is built on Christian beliefs. And I guarantee you all the people that hate Chris, you know, Chick-fil-A are secretly going through Chick-fil-A. They're just not <laughs> going in. You know what I mean? The point is, is that when you, when you live on your beliefs, people feel that and you will build a better brand. And it's not so you can be more rich. It's so that you can impact more people. And that's right. Sorry. That is a long, 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 long uh, take. I love story. it. I, I mean, I love it. I, I love what that you're so willing to put on your, your side exactly what you believe and are unashamed in, in all aspects of it. Um, that speaks highly. Uh, of your company culture, um, because I'm sure those who come to work for you, they see that as well. And they, you know, they, they're, they're going to be identified in that way. Um, so yeah. they're, they're going to come there that they got, you know, they're not secretly. So like some people go to companies and they secretly believe something different than what the company may believe. Right, right, um, right. But, but when you're open and you're very verbal about it, uh, those who come in and want to be a part of who you are, they, they're going to buy into that as well. Um, yeah, and I'll say, I'll say this, I'll say this because we, you know, there's challenges legally, you like, you can't just hire Christians and I wouldn't want to just hire Christians, but we, we tell people, I, I give them the Braveheart speech every time, you know, it's basically like, look, we don't care about anything that we sell here. We care about people. I don't, you don't have to be a Christian. You don't have to believe, you know, in God, but you do have to love people. Like that has to be your driving force. And we have, we have a guy that's the, you know, it's a Buddhist and, but I gave him the, like, I kicked him in the teeth, like, you know, you don't have to believe exactly what I believe, but you have to be sold out. Like, we're not about money. We're not about climbing the corporate ladder. We're not about all these things. We're about people. Do you understand? And he came. And a lot of times it does repel people. People just want to come to work. They don't want to mix religion and work, which is super, you know, which basically tells me who they are. Um, and because they don't want anything to do with people, they just want to make money. Um, and But it does repel some people. But, the, but we don't want those people to work here anyway. You know, there's lots of other places they can work. Yeah. What are the other beliefs that you had on your site that really spoke to me? And, and the reason it spoke to me is before COVID happened and, and we got all, you know, had to counsel the world and everything, we, we ran a 
uh, outdoor leadership school on the Appalachian Trail. Generation Ziegler yeah. had a, uh, called it uh, Gen Z Outdoors, in which we did a backpacking program across the AT. And one of your beliefs was that you wanted to uh, have a legacy of adventure to live and leave behind. And I like that. I like that when you said that legacy of adventure. Explain that for us. Explain what that yeah. means to you. Uh, I know what it says to me, but what does that mean to you and how does that work? Yeah, I think I think that has to do with a lot with how I was raised in Alaska. You know, when Alaska is a very interesting place. It's, it's not like any other place I've been to, and I've been to a lot of places around the world. It is so untamed and so wild and so beautiful and perfect and untouched, yet it is always trying to kill you. Like it is, it is, I mean, the bears, the weather, the avalanches, I mean, it's just kind and so there's this natural um, respect for your smallness, right? I mean, you're flying over, I mean, our lodge is 150 miles from the nearest road. I would have to fly mm. in to get, you know, to Anchorage to get, uh, to get groceries. And you just look, you fly for an hour and a half in an airplane and there's nothing under you but bears and mountains. And so, uh, you know, when we built our business, you know, in, in, in the adventure tours, um, we were always talking about, you know, how a lot of our people were like, for the first time would feel God and see God because they're out of their concrete jungles. And so um, I think it's very, very important to get out of just our world, right? Like, put our feet in the grass, go hiking, risk a little bit, go on a whitewater rafting trip just to get out of this like little bubble we live in that we think is, you know, important. And just to, and I think adventure does that, right? It, it pushes your mm -hmm. limits in a lot of ways. And it doesn't have to be Alaska. Like uh, we did this whole adventure channel in um, at Groove where we, you know, we were trying to do all these spearhead, all these adventures to get people to kind of live adventurously. And we went shark diving and we went, uh, wing walking out in Washington. We went noodling, you know, where you stick your hands in, you know, the hole and get the catfish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, all those things to just kind of get us. So, so in venture, um, we just want to inspire people to get outside and get into nature because there's something about God and creation that is not inside. You just can't get it. Um, so that's, that's a very big, big part of my life and me just staying grounded. Um, so, yeah. Well, I, I, I agree wholeheartedly on that. I think there's a, uh, when I went through my master's program at Clemson, one of the classes that we had was on outdoor and, and its effect on use ability to learn and to grow. And that was one of the reasons why we elected to do uh, the outdoor school yeah. is because, you know, it kind of puts them, uh, gets them uh, off centered. You know, when people are off centered, right. they're off balance. Yeah. You're more receptive to new ideas. You're more receptive. So, it's a, so I'm thinking, you know, we could teach these concepts of self-image, relationships and goals in the classroom and in a formal setting, or we can talk about these things while they're out hiking on the trail. And if you're in the Appala Southern Appalachian Mountains uh, in the summer, especially June and July, it rains all the time. <laughs> it's uncomfortable. Yeah, they're completely uncomfortable. I'll get calls by the group guys and say, hey, can we uh, speed up the hike and go into the... Uh, the, the uh, local outdoor center so that we right. can know I want you in a tent I don't want you in a hotel right. <laughs> it's like you know, the staff will be this I agree with that that, that loves that uh, what's good yeah. Kizzy, you got anything before we land the plane here no I don't think so 
Peter, how can they get in touch with you? How can our audience connect with you if they want to learn more, not only about your company, but you know, connect with you and 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 the things that uh, that you guys stand for? Um, yeah, you can uh, you can look us up at groovelife.com. Um, you can hit me up on social. I'm not a huge social media person, but um, I do check every now and then. You can direct message me, uh, Peter Mark Goodwin on Instagram, and um, yeah, that's it. I think. Um, I will say one last parting thing. The thing that I look for when I hire people, just to give some people some encouragement, is not uh, – I don't ask where they went to college. I don't ask for their SAT or GPA. Um, my, I, we give them a, we give them a, a problem worksheet, and we, we want people to pro- problem solve. So if there's anything you want to do in life, it basically requires problem solving and adding value. And those two combined make you successful. So – if uh, for all the young people out there, don't worry about your GPA and SAT. Those are all great. Um, but really learn how to problem solve and solve the world's problems and you'll be very fulfilled in life. Peter, thank you for, for joining us to show and to our audience, all the contact information, they're a link to their website. So if you're going to find it in the show notes, so if you're on, if you're watching this on YouTube, just look down. If you're listening to this, you know, just click on the links on your uh, favorite podcast app and it'll take you to the show notes and you can you can find direct links there thank you thank you for joining us today this is exciting i, I told you earlier when you started jumping on uh, those topics that that we hold dear i was like oh boy we're we're gonna go on a ride today this and yeah, this has been fun. fun this has been really thank fun I, so I see a lot of synergy there i'm glad michael connected us yes thank you yeah how do you know michael Chandler. Uh, well, Michael came through one of the Ziegler programs, oh, about five or six years ago, and I met really? him there. Yeah. And then, uh, let's see, last spring when COVID first started, we started doing live calls to just our our community, mm-hmm. and it exploded. Our community started wanting to invite people, and then they wanted me to stream it live. And streaming a live thing every week is 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 very complicated yeah. and, and stressful. Yeah. And when we started getting live, I said, well, who can I invite that it would right. really draw in people? So I reached out to a mutual friend of Michael's and I's that knows him very, very well and said, can you connect me to Michael directly? And we did. And he came on our show and and we had a great time. I think we had about four or five thousand people live that viewed that one. Wow. Good. Uh, through Facebook. It was it was a lot of fun. And uh, we've talked about some other things, and and so uh, we've kept in touch over the last year. Uh, you know, followed his yeah. career, his ever accomplishing career, because he's not nearly finished uh, with his. No, no. Oh, so how how did y'all two connect? You, he's been with you guys for a long time. Yeah, you know, we connected through a, a mutual life coach. So I again back to always assuming that I suck. I've always had a coach in lots of areas of my life. And uh, he had the same coach and they were, he was like, man, you guys got to meet because he, he's a strong believer, but mm-hmm. like a man's man, you know, like, like drink a beer, talk about Jesus kind of guy. And that's kind of <laughs> how I like it, you know? And so, man, we hit it off. He wasn't, it, it, he's a good man. So yeah, he's one of our influencers, but also just a good friend. Well, I, I really appreciate it. Like, I'm going to text him when we get through this and tell him how great, how great opportunity this was and thank him again for it. So <laughs> thank you guys and- so much. And to our Gen Z crowd, make sure that you like, share, and comment on this on YouTube or across any other uh, podcast app. And again, we'll be with you again next week. Thank you, guys. 
Thank you for joining us on the Gen Z Show and being a part of our community. Please subscribe to our channels on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. Follow us too on Instagram and Facebook to get weekly updates. Until our next show, have a blessed day.